welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And this week's game is Secret of Mana for the SNES. That's right, friends. This month is the Secret of Manuary, or Secret of Manuary, whichever one you think sounds better. And this is such a huge game, we will be breaking it apart through several episodes. So we are going to mix up our format a little bit so that you are not stuck in uh, just the same loop of level by level for the next few episodes. We're going to split the history up so you'll have a little bit about you know the different people that are behind the game. Sweet. And some of our usual segments will be split amongst every episode so if in the past you maybe didn't listen to every part of a long two or three part series because you you know weren't as into that section don't worry we're going to sprinkle things out so each episode has a little more going on than just level by level yes sir so let's get right into the history of secret of mana it was developed and published by square that's right good old square Mm -hmm. and released in japan in august of 1993 it was then released in october of 1993 in north america and in PAL territories in November of 1994. Oof, still a year behind, man. I know. And this is the second game in the second Densetsu series. And this name has been a thorn in my side for years. Oh, yeah? Well, I'd heard people refer to it constantly, and it took me so long to, like, put two and two together that it was the Mana series. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, the first one was released in the West as Final Fantasy Adventure, so... Are you reading my notes, Nick? Because that's the next sentence here. You are correct. Uh, The first one was on the Game Boy as Final Fantasy Adventure. And it's still uh, called that if you have the Mana Collection on any of your current devices. Okay. Uh, There were a few more after this one. Most famously, the Super Nintendo sequel to this one that we never got in the United States. Yeah, that was one... uh... We only played on emulators, so I was glad. That was a, a great prize in the early days of emulation when there was a fan, fans translated it. Oh, yeah. Now, this game was directed and designed by Kouchi Ishii, and he joined Square in 1987, and at that point worked on every Final Fantasy game in some capacity as a designer, graphics, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was up until the Mana games, where he became the director and then eventually the producer of them. And he worked on every Mana game as well. Yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. Um, And you can, I guess I'll start it here, but there's a lot of similarities between this and some Final Fantasy stuff in certain ways. So uh, you you can see that DNA through line in, in this game. Because this game and the other were thought about being Final Fantasy games at the very early stages, and then they were broken off to be their own thing. Yeah, but yeah. um. Most importantly, in my opinion, uh, uh, Mr. Ishii should be known worldwide because he came up with both Chocobos and Moogles. Ooh. And where would the Final Fantasy franchise be without either of those things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. I mean, I would say a good 40% of all Final Fantasy merchandise is relegated (laughs) to those two species or characters. Yeah, for sure.
So, Nick, what kind of game is The Secret of Mana? Well, Eric, it is a overhead action RPG. Yes, uh, it is similar to Zelda in a way because you are running around a map, swinging a sword for a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But it does have a little deeper uh, set of systems, as you would imagine, coming from the Final Fantasy camp. Yeah. Now, in this game, you cannot jump. No, no, you can't. You can uh, run around. Yeah, and you, have, uh, you can walk in eight directions as well as you have a dash button you can press to run faster briefly. Very nice. And there is so much to talk about in the gameplay of this that we are going to split up a little bit of it through the various episodes, especially when it comes to magic and weapons. Yeah, otherwise you would get blasted with long lists. I don't think anybody wants to hear that. No, but you can attack in this game. And early on, you find a sword that is uh, kind of the main weapon for the main character, which, interestingly enough, in this version is nameless. Yeah, I guess he's Randy in the Japanese version, but... Here, it's whoever you want that has a five character or less name. Indeed. If I would have known, I would have named him Randy because that's hilarious. (laughs) It's with an I as well. That's not as funny as Randy with a Y. (laughs) But another thing that makes this game super unique is that you have two side characters that join you and are computer controlled unless you can find another player or two to join you. Yeah, if you have access to the multi-tap, you could play three player simultaneous. And on the re-releases for the virtual console and the current collection of mana, you can just play with the the three people if you have three controllers. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Indeed it is. Now, when you're playing single player, you can switch between any of them on the fly by hitting select. Yep. And when you're not using a character, you can set up how you would like it to interact with the rest of the world through like a little battle grid. Yeah, the action grid is one of the things I always loved about this game because while the AI is pretty boneheaded no matter what you choose, you know, you you have this little 4 by 4 grid where you can choose if you want to, you know, if you choose keep away and guard, they actually will, which I use a lot when I'm just trying to run through an area. Or, you know, I usually have them there or you can have them to basically you decide where you want them in distance from the opponents and how aggressive you want them to be. And I'm, I did see on an FAQ, I, I couldn't verify this statistically because it's actually kind of minuscule, but it does give you little stat bonuses depending and penalties depending on where you put them on the grid. Interesting. Now, another thing we're going to bring up more in depth later is that you can level up with the various weapons you get. And when you yeah. do so, you have a, a second meter. And what's cool is you can also set how high on that meter you want them to charge. Yeah, which is cool if... You know, I I mostly kept mine at zero, but I I do unless it's a boss fight. Yeah, yeah. And with the weapons, too, you know, aside from charging, it's it's got a different mechanic than Zelda where you attack and then you have a little percentage that will increase up to 100. And if you attack before, then it's very weak. Yeah. Are you just doing that percentage of your normal attack? I think it's even less because, you know, the difference is between like. You know, I swear at like 90 some percent, you'll still do like five damage instead of 50, you know? Yeah. So it almost always behooves you to wait for your little percentage meter to fill up. And it's underneath your health or whatever mm-hmm. shows you where it's at uh, at the bottom of the screen. You want that to be at 100 percent before you swing again. Yeah. So there's a there's a timing element to your combat. Now, you can ignore that. And sometimes it is uh, good to ignore it if you're just trying to stun an enemy to keep it down or out of your way. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you're waiting for maybe the AI will, will get a hit in, you know, for you while you can just keep this thing from attacking. Yeah. So you do have this uh, charge up 
mechanic, and it's not just for the sword. Uh, you eventually throughout the game get access to quite a few weapons. Yeah, you get a total of eight, So, and they all level up and charge themselves as well. Yeah, and any character can use any weapon, so you can select that and be your main weapon whenever you want and switch on the fly as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, being a role-playing game of some sort, every character does also have stats. Yeah, and... If anyone's played the older Final Fantasy games, they're quite familiar. <laughs> they break them down in the same way, but also like them, you don't have any like choice or agency in how much they increase other than just, you know, every level, they all go up a certain amount depending on which character you have. Yeah, and they are your pretty standard ones. Strength, agility, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, attack, hit percentage, defense, evade, and magic defense. But I'll be honest, I never, ever look at them. You don't need to. There, there's no requirements. Like it's, they're there, kind of, I guess, to help you see. Because this game is doing some RPG math under the hood while you're playing a lot of times, and this mm -hmm. is kind of where it comes from. But there's nothing to be gained by keeping an eye on it necessarily. You know, correct. Um, it's just that each character has its own different stats, and as you level up, they do get better, and then they are augmented by armor you wear and the weapon you're holding. Yeah. And these are all based on your, you know, you have a character level that is increases just by defeating enemies and getting experience points and leveling up. And you but, only get experience points from defeating enemies and bosses. Yeah. And conversely, there's a different leveling system for your weapons and your magic where it's a... It's use space, correct? Yes. Every time you use this uh, spell or weapon, well, for the weapons, it's every time you get a killing blow. But okay. with the spells, it's just every time you use it, you'll get a certain number of points based on what level you are. They can go from zero to eight. And the lower they are, the faster they level up. OK, like I was it, a little confused as to the magic leveling mechanics. Yeah, it's um, if you the math is basically it's, you know, because your levels in these only go up to eight. So it's nine minus your current level is how many points you'll get. And, and you can check this on your. There, there's a screen that shows you all your weapon and magic levels uh, in your menus, and you can check them there every time. You know, it's basically a percentage. You'll be at level zero until you get up to 100 points, and then that'll, you know, reset down to zero, or, and you'll now be level one instead of zero in, you know, Undyne or whatever. Yeah, whatever magic you're trying to level up. But, now, another but, interesting thing about that magic is that throughout the story of the game, there are these magic seeds you find. Yeah. And the number of seeds you found is the level you can get to in your magic. Yeah. So as you go through the game, you'll get these new spirits and seeds that let your magic power up. It's the downside is that, you know, the farther you get in the game, you know, it's just by cast. So it gets pretty repetitive in trying to level these up. Yeah. But and on the flip side, you can't stand there at the beginning of the game when you get the first magic and just use it over and over again to level up to level nine or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And the weapons are kind of the same way. You'll find orbs that determine the number of orbs you have per weapon determine your max level you can get it to. The weapon leveling, while similar to the magic in that it's, it's how much you do, or like I said, killing blows you get, is, is a little different because if the enemies are too weak, you'll get less points. And or it basically will penalize you for fighting weak enemies. But it also has a cool system where whoever gets the killing blow, let's say you get eight points added to your sword skill the other two people will get half that as like a assist point or whatever okay so what that means is if you're really trying to level up your weapons especially at the end when you know oh my sword's level seven so i'm only getting two points per killing blow 
if you have the other people use a weapon that they're level zero with, say, it's very low level, since they'll be getting like nine points, you'll get half that instead of just getting two points for doing it yourself. Interesting. Yeah, it's a kind of exploit that can, if you're trying to level up your weapons, it's the way to go. But I wasn't, I found the weapons to level up pretty organically on their own, actually. Same here. So do you want to talk about these weapons real quick? Uh, Yeah, let's run through them. And we're going to go into the upgrades of each weapon as we encounter them in the story mode. Yeah. But we do want to tell you what each one is and kind of their base use. Let's do it. Uh, There is... There is, of course, the sword you find at the beginning of the game. Yeah, the sword is kind of the star weapon of the game. It's always the strongest, I think, except for maybe the axe. Um, Yeah, it it depends on because since you get orbs at different times for different weapons, like they both tend to, I think, always vie back and forth for the strongest. But I'm a sucker and I always kind of like just leave the main character with the main thing they're supposed to have. Yeah, it just feels right. You found the sword. Yeah, and it's like this mana sword, so it should yeah. be in, in your party. But it does have a special ability to where it can cut uh, bushes and grasses and flowers that block your path. Yeah. And the sword, it has two kind of attacks. You have your thrust and then a swing. Yeah, um, but I I could never master or seem to control when or why they would do either one, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I was really hoping you had uh, some insight on that one for me as well. I, um, yeah, it, it's one of the more frustrating things where it's like there's three enemies there's... in a row and I'm like, oh, one swing can get them all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and then I no. stab the middle one. Take that, you. Next up, you find the gloves and those are just kind of uh, augmenting fist attacks, but also depending on the character, they do kicks and other things when they attack with them. Yes, it's one of the cooler weapons, I think. It is, but I never use it. it I would put it on one of my... I usually gave it to the girl, and I never used it because it's such short range. Mm-hmm. But seeing the AI, you do they did some cool stuff, body slams, kicks, flips, you know? It looks cool. Oh, wow. If you're not controlling yeah. it. My problem is that if I'm not controlling the other two characters, I want them to have ranged attacks so that they don't get hurt as much. Understandable. Uh, and it's also why I don't use the next item very much either, and that is the axe. Yes, it's a strong axe. You know, it's... I usually put it on the hero guy. Um, Why? Just because you sometimes need to break open uh, rocks, boulders, or stalagmites? Yeah, pretty much. Um, Because that is its special ability. And sometimes, you know, if if you get an extra orb, it might be a little stronger than the sword. I I put the axe and the sword on the hero as he was like the fighter, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Next up, we have pole arms, which are kind of, uh, you know, basically the staff or spear. Yeah, you'll get an assortment of... You know, I think it starts off as the spear, but as you get these weapons uh, leveled up, they'll, you know, it'll be like partisan or, yeah, the spear, a bit more range than your axe or sword. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. And when you get it, you have the girl character. So I often just have that on her. In our current playthrough, it is one of the two main weapons used by the girl. I feel like it's the third strongest one, or at least that's how I always looked at it. Mm -hmm. But with that extra little bit of range. Sure, yeah. Uh, next up, we have the whip. Now, this was one I always put on the girl. Uh, this is very long range. <laughs> uh, it could be the most range, but it's hard yeah, to tell. Yeah. I, I really like the whip because it's dependable in that, it, you know, it's not like the sword or even the axe where sometimes you slash, sometimes you poke. You know, you're always getting that really long whip strike. Make yeah, Simon uh, Belmont proud. And it has a secondary feature where there are these, um, you know, very 
noticeable poles in certain areas. And if you line yourself up with them, you can whip it and pull yourself across ravines and gaps. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, it's just required sometimes, basically. But but it is the main weapon of the girl in my group. Same here. And then we have the bow and arrow. A weapon classic. Uh, you shoot a little arrow. I feel like the range is about the same, maybe even less than the whip, you know? Indeed. But it's a major selling point is that you can hit enemies on different height levels. That's true, yes. Although that's not a thing you encounter very often. No. And this and another weapon that we'll get to eventually, you know, it has like an arc to it to where the game, the way it registers the graphics, you can hit things that are like up into the left or right of you on the arc. You know what I mean? Instead of it just being like it should be in one plane and just hit to the left. It's like if somebody's nearby, you can you can use it to cheese sometimes. And I often put this on the sprite character, the third character in the game, uh, as switch it out with its other long range weapon, depending on what's stronger. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the other long-range weapon is the boomerang. Yeah, a boomerang that gets upgraded to a chakram and all kinds of cool stuff. It's always really cool looking, but the problem is that it doesn't always... Does it hit on the way back? I mean, maybe if you missed on the first attack. You know, most enemies, once you hit them once, they're knocked down or something. Mm -hmm. So they're not taking more damage typically. So it's not like you're getting a double hit with it. Correct. And because of that, I didn't use it as much as I want to, unless it pops up being stronger for, you know, the orbs we have or whatnot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the final and least used weapon. In fact, I don't know if it's ever been equipped by me in any playthrough. Besides, <laughs> let's check this out. And that is the dart. Yeah, which is, or like a javelin, you throw it. It's like the yes. bow, it has a, a pretty, it has an even higher arc kind of. So you can use it to hit things in weird places, but it's just another thrown weapon. The problem is you get it so much later that you've already raise the levels up of other weapons you'd be using. Sure, yeah. I never want to waste my time trying to get it up to par. <laughs> yeah. So that's it for all the weapons you find in the game. And as we mentioned, they can be used by any of the three characters. And I guess we should have probably talked about this first, but we do things our own way here at the Cartridge Command Center. <laughs> so let's talk about these characters. There is the boy. Yeah, the main character of the game. Uh, you start off as him. For the brief solo period at the beginning of Adventure. He is your standard uh, small town boy with a greater destiny ahead of him. Perhaps yeah. he is the chosen one. He's got big city dreams. And big hair as well. Yes, indeed. And he's, like we've kind of alluded to, he's kind of the fighter. He has more hit points and attack power with normal weapons than the other two. But he gets no magic. Not a drop of it. Off topic, what did you name this character? <laughs> Well, I normally name a character Ninja Car, and sometimes since this is, I think I said five earlier, but it's a six character name. So uh -huh. lately I've been just naming him. It was Ninjack <laughs> or Ninja, Ninja C. Jack. I just think it sounds funny and looks dumb. So that's what I went with. Uh, you know, I understand. And none of my normal names would fit either. So I just named the main character Dude. Oh, sweet. Yeah. That way a lot of people say things like, hey, dude, why don't hey, you come hey, do dude. this? Or. <laughs> Dude, I get a chuckle out of it more often than not. Sweet. And next up, we have the girl. Yeah, uh, a pretty cool character who you can encounter several ways at the beginning. Um, more on that later. But, you know, she gets she's your healing wizard, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I think she's a little stronger than the sprite, but not so much as the dude. Correct. And her magics are all used to heal or augment. Yeah. So she has, you know, your heal spells, your... Your unpoisoning spells and your augmenting other people's swords or attacks. 
Yeah, a lot of it's uh, elemental. She'll get like Fire Saber or Thunder Saber. And those, you know, this game does have similar to Final Fantasy, the elemental system where certain creatures are weak against certain certain elements. Indeed. In fact, it was my greatest source of cheating for this playthrough. Oh, sure. Yeah. We're going to look up what the boss was weak against. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what did you name uh, this character in your party? Well, I named it Abby with mm. three E's. Okay. Uh, as a child, I wouldn't always name the characters after people I knew and my friends. So to me, uh, it's always Lysha. Oh, okay. A friend in middle school. But I think in this playthrough, um, she's named Kit Kat. Okay. Uh, after I started, my daughter joined me uh, playing and she took over the naming duties. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and then finally, we have the third character, the Sprite, which may surprise you all that it's supposed to be a boy. It is referred to as a he in the game. I always, I remember thinking as a youth that it seemed like a girl, but. I wonder if that's one of these uh, American translation situations, though. I, I think it is. I, I think it's supposed to be like asexual or it should be an it. Right. Canonically in Japan. I think, I don't know. But either way, the sprite is a cool character because it is your attack wizard. Has damage spells and they're very powerful. Uh, she has horrible stats when it comes to hit points defense mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but as far as offense she's going to be the main way you damage bosses oh definitely i mean doesn't have to be but ooh, it's uh it's hard to resist because it's the easy way out for sure yes and both of these characters the girl and the sprite whenever you get a new magic they each get it added to their spell wheel yeah although real quick before we get into these rings uh, for those of the, anyone that was curious, at my house, the sprite is named Cherry. Oh, okay. Um, I named it Sheena after one of my cats. All right, cool. Whoop, whoop. So yeah, these rings. Yeah, this game uses an interesting menu style called the, you know, it's the ring menu where you just have a ring of icons that are either, you know, it shows there's one for your weapons, one for your items, one for your kind of info screens and such and and one for your magic where it shows all however many of these sprites you have in a circle and you can circle through them to choose the right one that you like at first it's a little bit daunting because it's, you know you don't really know where everything's at and you kind of have to keep cycling through them over and over again mm -hmm. but once you get the hang of it i think it's a really great and really quick system to get in and out of areas I think it's okay. Like, I I definitely loved it and still do visually, but I kind of wish that there was, like, another ring that was a menu ring because, man, I swear, even by the end of this game and, you know, going in there, I kept going the wrong way because you just press, like, up or down to change rings right. among the four. And I'm like, I wish I had a ring ring where it was, like, show weapons, items, and I could just choose and go down from there. My... The only other real complaint is that, especially if you're playing one player and you're trying to use a healing spell, right? And it's like you press X to activate, you know, it pauses the game and brings up one of the other player's rings. But if they're standing right over each other, it's like, ah, oh, gosh, which one is it? And I have to figure it out. It can be kind of muddying. But, I mean, that's a minor complaint. Yeah. Because it does do a good job of letting you sort through stuff without taking you out of the combat as much as, say, a normal menu box would. Oh, definitely. So as with any RPG, you do find or buy items as you go through the game. And what's interesting, though, is that when items are dropped from a creature, they take the form of a chest. Yeah. 
Well, and sometimes this chest will try to run away from you. It'll sprout little legs and you got to run up and grab it and open it. And and sometimes the chest is a trap. Oh, yeah. Uh, quite a few times, unfortunately. I would say a good third of the time it is a booby-trapped chest that will, you know, explode or hit you or all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. But if it's not, then it could have one of the consumable items in it, uh, usually a candy or chocolate. And those are your two healing items. Yeah. Candy will give you, was it 100 HP, I think? And chocolate is- That is correct. 200? 300. 300. That's pretty nice. Oh, and there is actually one more beyond that, the Royal Jam. Oh, yes. That's a full heal. Uh, Yes. As long as your hit points are below 999, (laughs) which I think they should be. Yeah, uh, mine were. <laughs> and the thing about these items, though, is that you cannot carry as many as you want. <laughs> no, you can only carry four of any consumable item. And that is really rough. Yes, it can be. So you cannot do the standard uh, RPG trick of just filling up on cheap healing items to heal yourself before a boss fight or anything like that. No, no, not here. And the candy costs 10 gold pieces, the chocolate 30, which means you should always have full four of each at all times sure yeah it, it's kind of hard not to man because a lot of chests throughout the game like if, i wish i would have kept track for how many times i got the message where it was like chocolate won't fit and you just all right i try to use one right i i did eventually I yeah, yeah i was like all right look i'm i'm gonna stick with three of these just in case but yeah the royal jam is a little more expensive at 100 it's just harder to find because it's not in the early part of the game right Next up, we have the Fairy Walnut that is purchasable for 500 gold pieces, which is very expensive in the first chunk of the game. Mm, It is. It is. But it does restore 50 magic points, and it is the only way to restore them outside of an inn, which we didn't mention, but this game has inns. They are your standard Mm -hmm. early RPG inn. They restore your health, return enemies to life, and you can also save the game. Good places. Good all around. Uh, if you can't find it in, though, you might want to hold on to a couple of these fairy walnuts. But like I said, they are very pricey. I Early on, that's one of my goals is to you want to get four of these as soon as you can and hold on to them. If you're a heavy magic user like myself. Really? I, I haven't bought a single one in the first half of the game. Oh, really? Well, I mean, to a point, it doesn't matter until you start getting your magic, you know, because there is a little bit there where you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's put it this way. I didn't buy one before I got to the ice world. Uh, there's, I mean, I I can see it, but I, I just was always worried about it. Although, to be honest, I didn't use them as often as I thought I would. Now, following that, we have the medical herb, which is 10 gold points, points gold pieces. And you should always have four of these because they remove status effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's really only useful during a boss fight, I think. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, Status sometimes... effects are so short in the rest well, yeah, of the game. That's true. You can, you can usually wait them out, so... And they never seem to do too much, you know, damage over the course of any length of time, or they're not too hard when your controls are reversed, etc. Right, right. Uh, Then we have the Cup of Wishes. Now, this is extremely important. Yeah, uh, this brings a dead person back to life. Yes. Uh, You know, mainly used in boss fights, I would say. Mm -hmm. And it will run you 150 gold pieces as well. But, you know, every now and then I've gotten suddenly bum rushed by certain enemies at points and you're just like, holy crap, I'm dead. And you bring it back. And it's nice because, hey, full hit points and magic points. That is the best part about it. And in only being 150, it's actually cheaper than your fairy walnut. That's true. And then the final consumable is the barrel. Yeah, an item I didn't really use, but I, I always. I've never used it. 
I always mean to where I'm like, I bet that would be good for some spots, but you put on a barrel over yourself and you're invincible. You can run through areas, but you cannot attack. Yeah. And it costs 900 gold pieces. It's pricey, man. That is very pricey. And that's it for your consumable items. There are a few more items you get throughout the game that are your key items. Mm -hmm. There is the magic rope. Mm, You get this one early and it's a good one because you use it to exit uh, dungeons. And like I said, it is not consumable, which is the best part of all. Yeah. Then you have the midge mallet. Uh, Yeah, this will restore anyone who has been uh, pygmied or shrunken. Or it can turn you uh, shrunk or pygmied. Oh, sure. Yeah, it it flips you either way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next up is the flamey drum. Flamey? I always say flamey. Anyways, this is awesome because later you'll get a dragon that you can fly around on. And this is how you summon it. But it's one of these cool drums from Karate Kid Part 2. That's exactly (laughs) what I think of every time I see that drum. I even... Whenever I was a kid and saw one at some one stupid festival, I would have to buy it because of that. Yeah, sure. You're like, you never know, man. You never know when you're going to need a room full of people to get behind you and spin those drums. Uh, it helps you win the karate tournament yeah. in Okinawa, right? Uh, I remember I saw it in the theaters, and that was the only time I've ever seen it. So I, I just know it took place in Japan. Same here. Yeah, yeah. And finally, we have the Moogle Belt. Yes, and you use this to heal the Moogle status. Yep, that's it. Or inflict it if you want. Oh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about that. Yeah. Oh, and, my daughter thinks it's great to be a Moogle. <laughs> so, oh, fair enough. Yeah. Sometimes just when you run around the town, might as well Moogle it up. Yeah, I mean, if you can turn back for free. Why not? YOLO. And as we mentioned before, we're going to go into bigger details on the weapons when we get them and the magics, I think, as they come along. But we do want to discuss them real briefly here. Yeah, they, they they take the form of, well, it's eight spirits that are all linked to one of the eight mana seeds that you'll be finding and fighting for. Each spirit will give the girl and the sprite a selection of usually three spells apiece. Yes. And each one is a different element, like you said. The first one you find is Undyne, the element of water. Yeah. Uh, then we have the gnome, the element of earth. Following that is Sylphid, element yeah. of wind. Kind of a genie. You have uh, the fire spirit, Salamando. The best named one. Uh, so I, I wish I could name my character Salamando. I thought you were going to say a child, but... Uh, uh, well, that too, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> uh, if any of you are about to have a child, think about naming it Salamando. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll retweet it for sure. I'm sure your spouse will just be thrilled with that name idea. Hashtag Salamando. What else do we got? Uh, there's Well, there's Luna which is like a moon spirit, mm-hmm. as well as uh, Dryad, which is a tree spirit. But the the seventh and eighth ones are kind of weird because instead of giving the sprite and girl the same spells, it's like they're different halves. Like the sprite only get gets shade, which is the darkness mm-hmm. kind of elemental. She, it's her goth phase. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the girl gets uh, Lumina, which is light magic. Yes, So of the eight spirits, they both end up with seven. Indeed. And each element has three spells for each character. Yes. And then finally, let's talk about the other way you upgrade your character, not just through leveling, but through armor acquisition. Yes, you can buy your armor through stores or it can be found. Sometimes, you know, there's enemy drops, rare enemy drops. I got a couple. Yeah. Your main, your standard armor placement. Yeah, it's... This is a very, uh, I would say, basic and linear yes. armor system. 
each each character has their own things they can equip and it, you know at no point is there ever any real purpose to not just always upgrade to the next thing you find that's more expensive correct and like many games you have your head slot you have your arm slot and you have your body slot yeah no shields though deeper than that no no shields uh but the one thing that is interesting is that certain items can be worn by one two or all three of the characters and it kind of changes up depending on what the item style is yeah and in addition to buying all these things you can sell them back to like a you know standard rpg armor conventions is it for the half the price i think so i didn't pay attention i just always just sold everything back that wasn't being used i yeah it didn't really matter to me till till the very end but so much money indeed but it is always worth uh upgrading if you have the money because that's just uh less damage you're going to take anytime you fight absolutely yeah and that's you want that and then one more thing to touch on here even though i already said finally and i lied (laughs) again because there's two things i want to touch on one is that there are uh standard status effects you're going to find in this game very little different than ones in other rpgs so it's kind of nice to know about them and the same effects can be utilized by your player characters or enemies. Yeah, you can inflict these via spell or sometimes, depending on what level your weapons are at, they might inflict some as well. Um, and the reason I want to talk about them is because they are not intuitive in any way, some of them. They're kind of weird. Or they can so, be, yeah. Some are. Uh, the one that really always got me is Balloon. Yeah, this is a, a weird one. A balloon appears above you that's on a string holding you. It looks very anachronistic. It's uh, it's kind of strange, but it's basically means you're paralyzed. Yeah. So it's actually a really awesome one to do to enemies. It is. And then you have engulfment. Yeah, and I believe this is fire every time, but you're just mm-hmm. on fire and can't move and you just start taking damage. Not great. Uh, the lesser version is entanglement, and that just means you can't run. Yeah. Not very useful at all. Yeah. Uh, then you have frosty. Uh, yeah, this will turn you or the enemy into a big snowman and you can't move, but I guess you take more damage. That's what it says. I didn't uh, play with it that much, so I don't know. Uh, following that, we have Moogleization. Yes, uh, you get turned into a Moogle. We've mentioned that. And that just means you can't attack or use magic. But you can run around, so yeah. mm-hmm. Then we have Petrification. Um, yeah, just me- you can't move or do anything, right? You're just yeah. stuck in place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, following that, you could be turned into a pygmy. You are shrunken, smaller, and you just you just uh, you know you have low attack and defense, right? Now your defense is way down because there's a boss that does that to you, and if you get hit when you're small, it, it's pretty rough. Mm, yes, yes. And then the final one, the other one that's confusing, to, or at least for me, it was was silence. <laughs> yeah, this reverses your controls and adds the traditional silence effect of stopping you from casting magic. Oh, yeah, yeah. It always baffled me. I was like, silence? Why am I? <laughs> what does you that know, do with walking backwards? <laughs> I don't know. And then all of them can be used, uh, and then all of them can be cured with a medical herb or with using a remedy spell. Yes, good old remedy. Also, the item associated with each one, the midge mallet or the muggle belt, can reverse the effects of the other thing as well. Pretty cool. And there are some armors, you know, like there's one I held on to, a cobra bracelet that makes you immune to poison. Mm. And then if you get poisoned, you can just equip that and, and it'll cure the poison. And then oh, un-equip that's nice. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, none of these status effects are really that deadly. No, they last a usually very brief time, like two to four seconds. Yeah, it's comical almost. 
And then the very final note is that there are no lives in this game. Being a traditional RPG, it has a save system. Yes. And traditionally, you have three save slots. Pretty cool. And you can only save when you're at the end. Yeah. Now, if you are playing on any of the modern collections, uh, you can do a quick save whenever you would like. Nice. It is very nice. All right, Nick, this is a square game and they have awesome manuals, but we're not going to talk about it this week. We're going to save that for next week or the following. Yes. But I do want to find out before we go further into this game, what was your personal history with The Secret of Mana? Um, I owned this game. Uh, As I got did for- I. Yeah. Was it a fact, Christmas I, present? I still own it. And yes, it was a Christmas present. Sweet. Yeah. I'm guessing was. we both got it uh, in the Christmas of 1993. Yes, this was the first Christmas for me after my parents had gotten divorced. So this was one of Present a wave. Rain. <laughs> yes, this I got. I remember getting. I asked for this game for Super Nintendo, and I got it. And I also got like a TV I didn't ask for, and a waterbed. And I was like, "What is going on?" Like, yes. my sister yeah. got this big stereo. My brother got the same TV. We were like, "What?" <laughs> it was so weird. The 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 bittersweet secret of uh, divorce. Is that for many of us children, the bonus of extra presents each Christmas and birthday was uh, quite a welcome uh, change of pace. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, and this game always, has since then, always been kind of a Christmas wintry game for me, you know, just through well, nostalgia. Story wise, there's a Christmas beat as well. We'll get to <laughs> later. That's true. That is true. So, I also got this as a Christmas present. And as I said, I named it after my, uh, you know, friends. And for me, I, Remember this game very vividly being played nonstop in my my bedroom over that break. Uh, the break was the only time I was allowed to have a TV in my room. Oh, yeah. So that's when I really like poured myself into any RPG that I had, I had received. Yeah, it's like time to get serious. Yeah. And I can remember just really loving this game. I uh, loved the systems. I thought the story was fun. And I'm pretty sure I beat it before I went back to school that week. Okay. I see. I never, I never beat this game. Boah. As a, as a, as a young child, I, I got to some point. I have my theories about it that, um, you know, we, we can discuss in the uh, level by level section about because I, I know I remembered getting pretty much up to the mana fortress. So right at the okay. end, was it a leveling problem? I think it was. I think I was way under leveled because, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a studious defeater of enemies in. RPGs nowadays, but as a young teenager, I would just run my heart out, and then until you get to some point, and well, and for me, game, yeah, this was post Final Fantasy two, mm-hmm. and I learned my lesson there. I oh, was sure. a runner, and by the time I got to the end of that game, I was just nowhere near leveled enough to get through that final uh, area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So by the time this game came around, you know, I had a CD player. I could put in, you oh, know, yeah. probably. What year was this? Was this this would probably be uh, Nirvana's In Utero? Put that on repeat for about two months. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, yeah, just really for a, a band I loved so much as a child, I have not listened to a single song of theirs in years. <laughs> but you know, I would just sit there, and as long as I had music going, I could, I could. That's why I, I learned how to start grinding. Oh sure, yeah. I always and nowadays yeah. it's just podcasts have replaced uh, the music for me when it's time to grind. Yeah, for sure. Hey, man, I I had to bust out some uh, podcasts while I was grinding for this game. Oh, yeah. 
So then, Nick, what was your more recent experience with Secret of Mana? I beat this game for the first I, time, personally. Full disclosure, haven't beat it yet. Oh? I'm, we're, we're on our way. And the reason why is because I thought this would be a great game to play with both my children. Yeah. I was like, you know, often I talk about my son and the two of us going through a game. And while my daughter does game a great deal, she's not as into some of these older games or the side-scrolling adventures. Sure. And I have been trying to get her into RPGs as time's gone on because I know that the type of books she reads and the stuff she's into, like I can see her uh, being really enamored with the whole concept of a bigger storyline and having all these characters and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And in many ways, I can think the way that Abby is drawn to RPGs, you know, yeah, as well. And it hasn't really like worked yet. <laughs> sure, sure. Until this game. And yeah. uh, I got her to play with me. And hilariously, my son is not into this game at all. <laughs> I, I forced him to play with us a few times. And he's just like, oh, I'm just not that into it. And I was like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, uh, yeah. But my daughter loves it. She is down with the characters. She is into the storyline. She gasps when there's a, a revelation or a twist. And cool, cool. it's been really great playing with her. The only problem is that it does make it a little slow going at times. Oh, sure. Yeah. So uh, I have snuck in some late night sessions just to grind away for a while to get us up a little better. Uh, But otherwise, you know, I'm basically I cannot play it without her as to to progress to story mode. So, right. uh, We are in the home stretch and I I know I'll have it beat here sooner than later. But it has been quite a fun experience uh, because one, I've never played a two player at all. Yeah, I did a little, but not much. And it is an interesting way of playing the game because you really have to have a your timing down with the, the person you're playing with due to that fighting system, which we'll talk about more later. But yeah, it has been a, a really fun uh, adventure going through this game with her and seeing what parts she enjoys the most. She mainly plays as the girl character. So she's our healing magic and uses that uh, spear a lot. Cool. Wow. That's awesome. But I am playing it on the uh, collection of mana. So I am cheating where I do save state whenever we get to a boss or any major story beat happens because old games are brutal when you die and you have to repeat an hour's worth of playing. Oh, man, I, I'm just not into that. I lost over a half hour of grinding one time, and that was purely on me. I was even I, I missed I didn't save and I accidentally bought double bought some equipment and I was like, well, I'll just go back. So I, I don't want to lose this 400 gold. And then I had not saved. I was like, oh, no, what if I ugh, got myself? That is a noob mistake. Can be for sure. Well, folks, that's going to be it for part one in our month long installment in the secret of manuary. <laughs> so next week's game will continue to be the secret of mana. And like we've mentioned in many times before, there are lots of ways to find this game and play it. There is the original. There's the the Super Nintendo mini. There's the collection of mana. They even made like a remake, a 3D remake at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's uh well, I think a that one's a little game. different. So find a copy of this game any way you can and play along, friends. Yes, do it. Um, you know, if you want to let us know, did you get this game for Christmas in 1993? Hit us up. Or let us know. have you already named your child Salamando? Yes, Salamando. If you're out there, Salamando, maybe your name is Salamando. Um, you can email us at cartridgecommand at gmail.com. One real quick aside, and I've told this story before, but I, it's my favorite uh, video game name story that when we were... Having our our son, our first child, 
before you know you could just go on the internet and look at a thousand names there was plenty <laughs> of these baby name books and i found one at i think a myers that had a section of video game names and i was cracking me up and one of the names in there was alucard <laughs> and i had this like little secret fantasy and that someone bought this book was just looking through the names and even though it was a video game name they were like oh that sounds really cool i like that they convinced yeah. their significant other to name their son alucard and then years later Someone had to point out to them that that's just Dracula backwards. <laughs> that would be awesome. I really hope that happened that? somewhere. If they did, or perhaps, you know, you know someone who did, let us know. You can get in touch with us on Facebook at Cartridge Command, on the Twitters at Cart Command. And we love hearing from you anywhere, anyway. We try to get back to you as soon as we can. Yes. If you're out there, Salamandos and Alucards, you got plenty of ways to hit us up. But of course, we go out of our way to thank those awesome, wonderful, Super fine folks to give to us at patreon.com slash cartridge command for it is their support that makes this show possible. Yeah, there's no secret of mana about that. No, we're just a couple of working class guys and uh, without their support, the show wouldn't exist. So luckily, we do have that support. And because mm -hmm. of it, we can pay for our fees, our hosting, any equipment we need, all that kind of fun stuff. We don't make any money off this show or get rich in any way we just use it as a way to keep moving forward because we know so many of you out there do enjoy listening and we enjoy making it our powers combined make this show happen yes indeed so if you don't give please consider doing so any amount small amounts even a dollar makes a big big deal to us so thank you all that do give and those that are about to thank you as well yes and as always cartridge commandos game on Game on? Yeah, you're not getting me for the end of the show saying game <laughs> on in a dumb way. I'm just, I'm just teasing. <laughs> you got to give them something, man, and put some sugar at the end, right? Huh? Huh? Exactly. <laughs>